Well, good morning, church. He is risen. Hey, if you're a Christian, this is a big day, isn't it? It's huge. It's a day that separates our faith from all the other religions that are out there. I mean, you think about everything that gets worship and who worships what. This is our day. This is our day that separates us from everybody else. Every religion has a founder. Every religion has a founder that was born on a certain day and then later on in his life, they started their religion. Buddha started Buddhism in 560 B.C. Muhammad started Islam in 610 A.D. Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism in 1830. E.G. White, Seventh-day Adventist on 1845. Kate, Margaret Fox, started in 1848 Spiritualism. The Jehovah Witnesses was started by Charles Taz Russell on 1870. The Reverend Sun Moon Young, or Moon Moon, uh, created the Unification Church in 1954. L. Ron Hubbard, Scientology, 1955. And then Anton LaVey, the uh, the Church of Satan, 1966. All of them founders of their religion. They all had a birth in this time and place. And later in their life, they started this religion. And they all died, too. All of them. Not one came back to life. Oh, I forgot to mention the most important one. Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity. Born, which we celebrate at Christmas time. And he died, too, at age 33. But he arose from the dead. He's alive, amen? That separates us from all these other religions. Yeah, they might have been great leaders in one way or another because they inspired people. Whether they inspired them in the wrong direction or the right direction, they led people somewhere. But not one of them came back to life. Not one can back up what their faith was all about. Ours can. Our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, came back to life. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He rose again from the dead doing what no other person could do. And, and you know, here's the crazy thing. As we watch TV and we watch entertainment movies and movies, like vampires and the walking dead and zombies, these people die and they come back to life, and it's like, oh, they're coming back to life. Let me tell you something. That's Hollywood. That's not true. People don't die and become zombies. People don't die and become vampires. People die and they stay dead except for when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. After we die, we know there's heaven and hell. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, we know there's eternity in heaven. We know there's life after death through Jesus Christ where we spend in eternity with Him. That's why Easter is so important to Christians. It's the celebration of the truth, of the fact, of the history That our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth over 2,000 years ago to give up His life, to die on a cross, to be buried in a tomb, to come back to life so that we can have life. So today, all we're doing is celebrating. We're reflecting back over 2,000 years ago saying, He did this for me. He did this for you. Jesus Christ is alive. And just like those eggs... Tomb's empty. 
The tomb is empty. Oh, go back to all those other founders of their religions. Look for their tomb. Find it. You'll find the bones of those people. Their bodies are still there. Our Savior left an empty tomb. No one's there. Go knock on the tomb. Anybody in there? No. No body, no Jesus, nothing. Because he is what? He's alive. He is alive. But let me ask you this. Do we truly celebrate Easter the way we need to celebrate at church? Do we truly look at today and say, this is one of our most incredible days. Do we truly celebrate that? Or do we just say, oh, it's just another holiday. Let's get dressed up. Let's make sure we go to church. Um, Let's make sure we get the kids candy. And uh, let's make sure we do something special afterwards. And uh, do we really get it? When somebody did something incredible for you, when somebody sacrificed for you, how did that make you feel? I want you, everybody just sort of think right now. Think back to a time when somebody made a sacrifice for you. How did you feel about that? Just over a year ago, my father passed away. I was at the viewing, two hours away over in Indiana. Snowy day is a bad day for travel. Here's my expectations. Those in, in northern Indiana, family, people that went to my dad's church, my dad's friends, those are the people that are going to come to the viewing. So I'm there at the viewing, and as I'm there at the viewing, in walks through the door a gentleman that I coached with a few years ago. His son and my son Carter played baseball again. We coached him for a couple of years. We've stayed in touch, but we haven't done much over the last two years. He drove all the way from Toledo to my dad's viewing. Right behind him, about 30 minutes later, comes in another coach from Defiance College that I'd helped with and as a chaplain for his team. And he was no longer there, and he had moved on. He made the same drive from Toledo all the way over. And then Troy Armstrong and Troy Guype and, and then Landon and Steve and Dan, the Ruples, others from our church start showing up. I did not expect that. I did not ask that. Two hours away? Are you kidding? Don't don't make that kind of drive. But you did. I felt so thankful because you made a sacrifice to make the drive. See, when you do something for somebody else like you've done for me and our family at various times in our lives and as maybe people have done for you, you step back and you don't sit there and, well, I expect it, you know. People should do that for me, right? No. We sit back and we're like, wow. They did that for us. They didn't have to. And here's the thing. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the joy you experience, right? Think about this. When somebody has done something for you that's an incredible sacrifice, you step back and think, that's it. It just fills me up with even more joy. We're at a restaurant. Waitress comes in. She serves us. She does what she's supposed to do. Serve us our food, refill the drinks, all that kind of stuff, right? Thank you. I I appreciate that. You know Give you a tip, right? Appreciate you serving me. But then the next restaurant we go to, this waitress comes in, and she brings us her stuff, and, and my coffee is like, oh, it's sort of lukewarm. I don't like lukewarm coffee, right? I take a sip. Uh, I said, I'm, is this, it's been sitting in the back. I said, it's lukewarm. Is there any way I can get warmed up? And she looks at me, she goes, I'll make you a fresh pot. Really? You could have just went back and nuked it. I would have never known, right? Or maybe if I'm, you know, a coffee snob, I'd probably, ew, this tastes microwave, right? Okay? But she went back and she made a fresh pot. 
And I was like, man, I really appreciate that. That tip was a little bit higher than my first tip. And then the next time we go out to eat, and we're sitting there, and, and actually our food's delayed. There's an accident in the kitchen or something with our food. I don't know what happened. And uh, we're at Dave and Buster's. And we're sitting there. It's like, well, let's take a little while. It's all right. Big screen's on, watching ball games and stuff, and we're having fun family. And the manager comes out and goes, I'm, I really want to apologize for the delay in this food. It's taking a little bit longer than expected. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I can give you all a bunch of appetizer sides, or you know what? I can give you all game cards to go play. Uh, Dave and Buster just go play the games. And it's like, <laughs> hook us up with the games, buddy, right? He comes back with five cards just loaded. And we're like, okay, the first waitress, that was a good, that was a, you did your thing, thank you for serving me. The second waitress, making fresh coffee for me? Really? Thank you. The last one, we're going to load you up with games, okay? Matter of fact, if you were going to spend 50 bucks tonight, don't worry about it because we're just going to give you $50 worth of games. Go have fun. Okay, can I tell you how my joy increased? The greater the sacrifice, the greater the joy that I experienced. I want you to think about that. Now let me ask you this. Knowing the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and me, what's your degree of joy? Oh, people have done nice things for you, but has anybody ever laid their life down for you? Has anybody ever been brutally beaten? Part of their beard ripped out. Slapped in the face, spit upon, called names for you. Pierced with nails, hung on the cross, placed before people, sort of feeling ashamed because you have not much of any clothing on, and there you are hanging. They're dying for you, me. How thankful are you? How appreciative are you of what our Savior did for us? But here's the thing. That sacrifice probably doesn't mean a whole lot if he stays in the grave. Truth is, as noble as it was, what made it all the more better, what made it all the more incredible, was that he didn't stay in the grave. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive. He came busting out of that tomb to say, I'm not done and neither are you. He is alive. And sometimes we forget why He came and we get caught up in the mess of our life or the emptiness of our lives and we forget that there's a Savior who says, I want to fill you up. I want to give you new life. So this is the day we remember what Jesus did for us by sacrificing Himself and coming back to life and giving us new life. Turn with me, if you would, please, within your Bibles. If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 John. If you don't have one, I'll read it and you can listen along. We've got Bibles in the back. You can raise your hand. We can bring one to you. First John chapter 2. It's towards the end of the Bible. Towards the back. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says this. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so you won't sin. But if anyone does sin... That's when we mess up, right? We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who's truly righteous. He himself, he's the sacrifice for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of the world. You know, in the ESV version, it uses the word propitiation. Now, propitiation is a biblical word. You don't hear a lot of people walking around saying, man, what he did for me, that propitiation was incredible. We don't hear people saying that, right? It's just a biblical word. 
So to help you understand this, it means a sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it to favor. It's a sacrifice that bears the wrath of God and turns it to favor. That's a propitiation. It's a sacrifice for our sins. And here's the thing. Why do we need a sacrifice? And I think we all know the answer to this question. But I want to show you an illustration that was used with me and helped me understand this a little bit better. And so what I want to do is this morning, um, I want to show you this. this. This bottle right here contains water, okay? Purified water. So let's say this purified water here represents God. He is pure. He is holy. There is no sin in him. He is pure, right? There is no darkness in him. He is light. This is our holy God. Okay? And when God created the world, what he did, along comes Adam and Eve, and he creates them, and he pours himself into them. And Adam and Eve were created pure by God. So let's do this to ourselves. Let's put ourselves out here. Because each of us look different, right? We all have different shades, but God pours himself into us. And we were created to be in relationship with God. He said, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to be right with me. I want your righteousness, your purity to be like that of me. I want to know you. That's incredible that a God of this universe wants that, right? But here's the thing. As we read in Genesis with Adam and Eve, there's a problem. It's called sin. Sin enters the world. So what we're going to do is, we're just going to pretend here, because actually there's different sins that were listed. We go back all the way to Exodus, when Moses went up on the mountain, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. And he said these Ten Commandments were a way of helping us sort of gauge and help us understand what is right, what is wrong. But here's the deal. Those Ten Commandments, if we try to keep them all, they don't save us. As a matter of fact, because none of us can keep all ten. So here's what you're going to do right now. I just want you to think about the Ten Commandments. And you ask yourself, have you done any of these things since the time you were born to now? Okay, so for some of you, it's a little bit shorter span. Some of you, it's a little bit longer span, okay? So some of you have had a little bit more time to mess up in your life, okay? How about this one? Having no other gods but God. Not placing anything before God. Have you ever put anything before God? How about not making an idol for yourself of any kind. You can't serve two masters, as Jesus said. You can't love money, you can't love me. You can't serve them both, right? How about misusing the name of the Lord? you ever take God's name in vain? you ever shout out His name when you're angry? Or curse using His name? Or use His name in an oath? Or text it out? How about remembering the Sabbath to keep it holy? Looking at Sunday as a day of rest, as a day of worship. Have you ever taken that day and did everything else but worship God? How about honoring your father and mother? Have you ever disobeyed your mom or dad or showed them disrespect or not showed them love? How about don't murder? Jesus said when you get angry with somebody, that's just as much as murder. Anybody ever get so angry with somebody, you just hate them? Broke that commandment. How about do not commit adultery? Jesus said, as a matter of fact, if you look at another woman in lust, you've committed adultery. Gentlemen. Yep. 
Don't steal. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? How about testifying falsely against your neighbor? You tried to trick somebody, deceive somebody, sort of get some gain out of something. Well, I, you know, I just, I was just, you know, wanted to. I just sort of bent the truth a little bit. And I just wanted to deceive. No, testified falsely against your neighbor. Maybe you didn't use words of truth. Did you covet your neighbor's stuff? Did you envy what isn't yours? I wish I had what they had. Greed. So all those things that I just said, I bet there's, well, there's not one perfect person in here. Because Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So this is what happens. Because I know in my life, I know in my life I've, I've done things where I put something else before God. So this is what happens when sin enters our life. Our life is no longer pure. It's messed up. It's not going to be the same. I, I can no longer be what God created me because I got sin in my life. And I really can't do anything about it to pull it out. I can't, I can't purify it again. It's in my life. And, and maybe there's somebody in this room that, you know, maybe they're like, well, I, I did tell a lie the other day. And when we lie, again, it just sort of sits in our life and sort of makes it impure. Or maybe we, maybe we start coveting things that don't belong to us. We look, man, I like what they have as far as a car. I like their car. I like their house. And yeah, it's, it starts looking bad when we start doing that with our life, right? Or you know, oh yeah, Murphy's oil soap. I mean, maybe when I was swearing and taking the Lord's name, maybe I didn't mean to. It's just, everybody does it. So what does it matter, right? But when I do that, it just starts really making things gross in my life. And, you know, I, I bet there's a time when all of us have done that. We didn't mean to. There's a mistake, right? Oh, yeah, how about this? A little bit of liquid smoke. Let's just keep adding. This is like a sin cocktail, you know. It's like, hey, a little bit of this in your life, and you know, a little bit of anger. Oh yeah, well, it's liquid smoke, man. There's fire coming off my head right now. I'm a man. That referee, that umpire, blue, you stink. Boom, boom, boom. Really? Hmm. You know what? I love my job. I love chasing after those green dollars. I mean, it gets me fired up. You know, it's like caffeine. You know, I just love more of it. And, whoo, yeah, let's just, let's just keep adding all these things to our life, these things that really take our life and taint it. You know, it's like every sin is just another ingredient. Oh, yeah, a little vanilla caramel because I love to brag about my life. You know, it's my life is so awesome. It's like a latte. Oh, yeah. And before too long, all these ingredients, you start looking and saying, this is God, and he, He's pure, and He created us to be in a relationship with Him because that's what we were created for. But the problem is, we have so much sin in our life, so much toxin, so much ingredients, so much junk, we, we, we can't be in relationship with God anymore. And it separates us from Him. So what do we do? Well, I know. 
soap. <laughs> I'm going to clean up my life. I'm just going to do a bunch of good things, and I'm just going to make my life clean again. And so we try to do good things, and well, they didn't do it. Maybe this life over here, they do a lot of good things for God, and now they didn't clean up my life. And well, this guy sins different than everybody else, but a little bit of good works, and my life is still a mess. No matter what I try to do to get myself right with God in the midst of my sin and my impurities and my toxins, I can't get it right. You know what I need? I need the same thing that you all need. A Savior. I need a Savior, Jesus Christ, who says, I'll take care of that for you. I'll take care of that for you. We need somebody to come and make us pure again, somebody to help us become righteous so we can have fellowship with the God of this world. But you know what? Right now, I can't do this on my own. Now, that's just an illustration, okay? But let's say as we're coming home from vacation, okay, and I'm in a hurry because I want to get home, I want to get rested up before church, and it's like, i got to get home, got to get home, right? And I drive over the speed just a little bit because, you know, why? it's following the guy in front of me. I'm just going with the flow. Is there anything wrong with going with the flow? Well, if it's over the speed limit, then it probably is. But I'm sure God understands because i got to get home, got to get my rest because i got to preach on Sunday, right? But the policeman, boo, pulls me over. This is just an illustration. Okay. He does his job. That's his job. His job is to say, what you're doing is incorrect, and I'm going to give you the penalty for your mistake, for your mess. He's just doing his job. That's why I do my job. I hold up my hand, and I take the fine. And I was like, I'm not going to pay this. I'm going to go to the court. So I go to the courthouse, and I walk in with my fine, and I'm saying, I really don't want to pay this. But the judge says, but you broke the law. You've got a mess in your life. You've got to pay the penalty. But before I can say anything, from the back of the courtroom walks in Jesus Christ. And he says, I'll take care of that. I'll pay that fine. I'll pay the penalty that you deserve. Matter of fact, I'll pay your past penalties, your past fines, your, your parking and your, your things. You didn't take care of your vehicle and all those other fines. I'm going to pay those. I'll pay today's. And you know what? I will pay tomorrow, too. You pay my tomorrow, too? See, that's what happened when the, as we read in 1 John chapter 2, advocate. When the advocate steps in, he says, I'll pay the price. And just like the sin in my life that separates me from a holy God, Jesus says, I will take care of this for you. How are you going to do that? I mean, we can't dump it out. We can't dump it out and, you know... This doesn't work. How do we empty our cup? How do we take this cup of impurity and make it pure again? And this is what happens. Drink it. How much you give me to drink this, church? It's only got Murphy's oil and ketchup and salsa and a bunch of other gross stuff. It's a little bit of toxin, right? Just a little bit, a couple of drops. It's not going to hurt me, right? A million bucks? Sorry, not doing it. I can't. I can't. It's, poor, it's nasty. In Matthew chapter 26, it says, Jesus went a little bit further into the garden. And he bowed his face to the ground. 
And he prayed, My Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Yet, I want your will, not mine. And Jesus takes the cup that we hold and he drinks it. He pleads before God, first of all, and says, Take the cup away. I don't want to drink it either. They're the ones that mess up. This is their sin. Let them deal with it. But if it's your will, God, I'll drink it. Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he drinks the cup. Jesus, who is pure. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, who is pure, says, I will take the cup from you. I will take your sin. I will drink it all gone. Matter of fact, I will... Lick it clean, make that cup clean so that I can pour back into it again. He gives us a new cup, church. He gives us a new cup. Isaiah 61.10 says this, I'm overwhelmed with the joy in the Lord my God, for he's dressed me with the clothing of salvation. He's draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for the wedding or a bride with her jewels. Listen to what Romans 3, 21 to 28 says. Matter of fact, why don't you turn to Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 28. Everything that I've just talked about is right here scripturally that Paul says. Romans chapter 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Boom, you're there. Romans chapter 3. Starting in verse 21 says this. But now God, here, check this up here again. God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping all these requirements. Oh, how do I keep from all these ingredients coming into my life? How do I keep from sinning, right? As He promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, verse 22, we're made right with God by placing what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Did you hear that? Everybody in this room. For everyone in this room, outside this room, everyone who believes this is true, no matter who we are, okay? For everyone has sinned, verse 23, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We're all filled with toxins. We're all filled with nasty ingredients. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right, listen, people are made right with God when they believe. Not when they do. I can clean up my life. A little bit of soap, right? We're made right with God when we believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair. When he held back, he did not punish those who sinned in times past. Verse 26. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do at the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Hey, let me show you how much I love you. For he himself is fair and just. He makes sinners right in the sight when they what? When they believe in Jesus. How many times do we have to hear that, church? We've got to believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal, not guilty, It's not based on obeying the law and and doing good things. 
We're made right with God by our faith, by believing, not by obeying the law. We don't have to pay the penalty. We don't have to pay the fine. We don't have to drink the cup. Because Jesus did. And when he drinks that cup at his death and resurrection, he conquers sin. He conquers death. He makes what we call the great exchange. He takes emptiness and he fills it up. He takes the grossness of our life and he makes it pure. It's an incredible, it's a great exchange. He takes that cup and he drinks it so that you and I don't have to. You know, when the kids leave this church today, they're going to do this. Those kids, remember kids, what you're going to do? You're going to take your empty egg, right? And you're going to exchange it on the way out for an egg that has something in it. That's a great exchange. What was empty is going to be filled. That's the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ, too. He says, I'll take your empty lives, I'll take your messy lives, and I will exchange it for something better, much better. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because He lives. Because He's able to do this. Because He did it. No other religion can do this. No other faith can boast of this truth. Only Christianity. So knowing this, church, knowing this, knowing the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for you and I, Knowing that he took your cup, your sins, knowing that Jesus came to you and says, I will drink this so you don't have to. I will take this upon myself and I will give you pure new water, new life. If you just believe. Knowing that's true. How thankful are you today for Easter? How thankful are you for Easter? This is why we celebrate. See, when we, when we recognize that Jesus covered the guilt and the shame and paid the penalty from the past, the present, and the future, we should be very grateful, right? My life should reflect it. And listen, as I remember, every time I go to sin, every time it's like I have a lustful thought, you know what I need to be thinking? Every time I have that lustful thought, I'm making Jesus drink my sin. Every time I'm about ready to tell a lie, or deceive somebody, I might as well just go ahead and hand another cup to Jesus. Go ahead and drink it, Jesus. So does that mean that I should go ahead and just keep on sinning because Jesus is going to keep on drinking my cup? What did Paul say in Romans 6, 1 through 2? He says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So know this, church. God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have you a pure, give you a pure new life. But we know that our sin separates us. So Jesus came to clean up our mess, to make us new again. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. But when he rose from the grave, he conquered sin. He conquered death. He is an undefeated, victorious God that brings forth proof that says, I can do this. And I'll do it for you if you believe. And do you believe? Do you believe? Today, realize what Jesus did for you. Today, church, I encourage you. Place your faith in Him. Trust Him. Apply the gospel. 
Apply the Holy Spirit to your life. Remember what He did, and He's willing to give you forgiveness. He's willing to give you the ability and the power to live a new life. Live with gratitude. You live with gratitude by telling, doing what? Telling that person thank you, right? You don't just tell them with words, you also show them thanks. A few weeks ago, Colin was um, off at college. He's about ready to pitch his first collegiate baseball game. And his game got pushed back to a little bit later time. It's like, okay, it's a two-hour drive. I drive there, then I watch the game, and then, you know, then I'm going to get back super late, get back past midnight, and i got an early morning meeting, like 7-something, and it's like, oh, this is going to be a short night. But you know what? I want to make the drive. It's my son. It's his first game. He's going to pitch it. I want to watch this. So I make the drive, spend the gas money, spend the late hours, exhaust myself, right? I wanted to be there for them. I wanted to, you know, I knew it's a small sacrifice on my part as a dad. We do that, right, parents? But you know how he responded to that sacrifice? Now, here's the thing. All my kids are pretty good at this. They're not perfect. Sometimes they express gratitude really well, and sometimes they don't. But in this moment, he sent me a text that very next morning. Of course, after the game, he gave me a hug and thanked me for coming and everything. But the very next morning, I get a text from him thanking me. Sharing his appreciation, saying, Dad, I knew that was a long drive for you and you got home late and you had a big day the next day. Thank you so much for doing that for me. Like I said, it doesn't happen all the time, but in that moment, my son said, thank you. And he showed gratitude. He recognized the small sacrifice I made. And as a, as a father, you know what I felt like then? As a father, I wanted to bless him even more. He gets it. You know, when somebody says thank you, you're almost like, I want to bless you again. And when somebody doesn't say thank you, like, that's the last time I'm doing that for you, right? I believe that when we live grateful lives and we thank God for the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, and we show that appreciation, I believe God says, you get it. You recognize the sacrifice. I want to bless you with even more joy. Thank you for showing your appreciation. I want to bless you. So I want to encourage this morning, church. Know that Jesus Christ drank the cup for you and me. Are you thankful that he did that? How are you going to show your appreciation to him today? This is Easter. Let's celebrate. Let's ask for forgiveness. Let's get things right with God. Let's praise him. Let's say thank you, God. Let's go live lives that show our gratitude. Paul says this. He wraps this up. Worship team, would you please come forward? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this. Paul says, listen, I pass on to you what was most important that was passed on to me. Everybody hear this? As a pastor of the church, let me tell you this. I'm going to pass on to you, church, what was the most important thing that's ever been passed on to me. I'll reflect the words of Paul when he says this. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. Church, our Jesus is alive. Amen? And because he's alive, we can live a new life in him. He drank the cup. Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you said thank you, God? It's time to celebrate. If you're truly thankful for this day of Resurrection Sunday, we know when we say he is risen, what do we say, church? He is risen indeed. Amen. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to drink that nasty cup.
toxins in our life, the poisons in our life. Every time we mess up, it's just that cup gets uglier and more polluted. We can't drink it. But your son did. He licked it clean. And when we ask for forgiveness, that's what happens. You take our cup and you give us new life. So we can be made righteous, right with God. What an incredible exchange. That's like taking in a junky car and give us a brand new one. Oh, what a great exchange. But it's beyond material. It's new life. It's eternity in heaven. So God, right now where we're sitting, there might be somebody in this room right now that says, I don't know this. I didn't know this. Just where you're at right now, go ahead and pray. Ask God to forgive you of your sins those toxins and ingredients that go into our lives. Ask Him to forgive you. Because He tells us He will forgive us. He gives you His very Spirit to live in you. He becomes the Lord of our lives. Go ahead and pray that right now. God, become the Lord of my life. Forgive me. Take away my sins. I'm sorry. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving us in this church. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to drink that cup. Thank you, God, that he didn't stay dead like all those other religious leaders. Thank you, God, that Jesus Christ is alive to give us new life, to live in him, to live and look forward to eternity. And our loved ones who have died and passed on, we get to see them. They're already worshiping with you right now. What an incredible thing. So, God, thank you for this day. Help us to walk out of here with our spirits lifted high, saying, I'm alive because Christ is alive in me. He has purified me. He has made me new. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We sing to you. In that name we pray. Amen.